everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I am not outside trying to do one of the various consummate athlete things, I'm hopefully outside helping coach a camp or inside writing about one of those activities. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. And Molly and I have this little podcast called Consummate Athlete, and we sort of look at different sports and movements and people who do those and try and sort of just have some good conversations here about having a good time moving around. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had kind of a weird sport on, but I mean, we've had NASCAR drivers, we've had NFL players, we had an ultimate Frisbee guy that I will still contend it maybe is not quite a sport, but I oh. feel as though every time I say that, I get a lot of angry tweets. So maybe I should probably yes. stop that. If anyone wants to take me out to play Ultimate Frisbee, I w- I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since we've we've really had many kind of out there ones on. But lately, we've been very endurance sport focused, which I guess makes sense, given that Peter is a mountain biker by trade and I'm sort of an endurance athlete by trade. I, I, I wanted to say I'm a triathlete, and then I was like, no, I'm a cyclist. And I'm like, no, I'm an ultra runner. Um, well, what am well, I? I think this year you're identifying as a as a, a runner, a trail runner, an ultra runner. Yeah, except for the fact that I've been at now two out of the three uh, cycling caps that I'm doing this season, so I'm now in the best bike fitness that I've ever been in in my entire life. Well, and I guess that's that's part of the reason we were interested in this concept was that as sort of, you know, masters or adults who are busy and, you know, maybe, you know, have winter to contend with or kids stuff, um, you know, it sort of just occurred to us that having some options, right? If you're able to run, maybe you can do that, you know, during a soccer practice if you can't get to your bike. In your case, you were injured for a while there with a knee for running, uh, but you could still ride, right? So... And it all sort of works out in the end. There's been a, a couple. Alan Cousins um, actually had a really nice post. He's a super smart guy. He does a bunch of coding. He's actually a coach, but has learned how to code. And so he always pulls out really cool data. And he he did a good post here recently uh, that I'll link to in the show notes, but you can probably Google it. I think it was called Specificity. Um, and he sort of had looked at bike and run fitness and, and sort of how much a run contributes to biking and then vice versa. Um, and he actually found some really interesting stuff. Like it was actually pretty good transfer both ways and, you know, running, obviously you don't do it as long, but it was, it was interesting. Sort of like two thirds return basically was sort of the roughly how it worked out. But all right, that's, that's pretty good. I'll live with that. Actually, I just had a friend, uh, I was staying, uh, just near Girona for a couple of days with friends who happened to be there on a biking trip right after my cycling camp ended. And a friend actually mentioned that exact, uh, article. Oh really? Yeah, he was he was making fun of me because I I keep saying I'm a trail runner and then I keep going out on these bike rides. Mm. Well, and then there was the we talked about this uh, when David Roche was on, but we talked about the gentleman who won I never Rob Carr, something like that. Uh, he won Leadville Run, but that was the week after the Leadville bike, which he also did quite respectably. I believe Leadville 2021 is now on our calendar, possibly 2020. I guess. Not not necessarily related, but that's good. Um, maybe if you consider as a team, I guess maybe that's... Which, if you listened to uh, the episode two weeks ago about how to train with your partner, we are a team, Peter. We're a team. I guess. Um, <laughs> par- apparently it was cute. So... 
let's keep the show rolling here. So what's going on? Uh, well, let's you go with your one thing okay. first. I'm going to say spices. So we're, we're going to talk a bit about nutrition today. It's always nebulous. But um, one thing that I, I, I am very good at eating very bland food and repetitive food, which I think has served me well in some ways, but like any, I guess, gift or talent at some point, it kills you. Um, so I think I've been, Molly was away there for a week, so it gets even worse when Molly's away. So I just sort of had set the goal. We had some spices. I got a couple extra. We had... Uh, whose cookbook did i have uh he actually had the february athletic bookworms pick um run fast eat or run fast cook fast eat slow right uh, by shaylian flanagan and elise kopecki um, and i gotta admit peter has been using more of the recipes out of it than i have and they're very simple it's got some good training advice some good nutrition advice um and the, the recipes are super super easy like so easy but a one big thing to making them taste good is just a little bit of effort into the spices and sort of that sort of stuff, right? Which I historically do not have patience for and, you know, throw my sweet potato in the microwave and away I go. But there's lots of different just variations, right? So that sweet potato could be cooked in so many different ways. You have the oven, the fry, you know, the microwave, uh, pressure cooker, boiled. Um, and then also you could add so many different spices to that right so cinnamon you could do italian you could do chili you could do right all of these so all as to say if you haven't been using many spices and you're looking for variety but also trying to improve your diet which often means you know maybe you're not having as many of the tasty treats or the you know honey and jam on your breads and stuff um, sometimes adding a bit of spice definitely gives you know a bit of variety to that diet which sometimes is what we're looking for yeah, and I have to shout out um, my friend Athena again when I was in Spain. She uh, she made an amazing pasta sauce. And uh, she actually just added, we happened to be in a, a cool place that had a lemon tree in the yard. So she added just a few squirts of lemon juice into just the tomato sauce with a bit of rosemary because we also had rosemary in the yard. And I couldn't believe the difference the little squirt of lemon made. And I realized lemon is not quite a spice, but just sort of as far as... Um, making a deeper flavor profile i guess to your food i think it fits if you're trying to sort of outfit a kitchen and you get mm -hmm. some lime and some lemon and a few spices you know we talked i think before about a like a spice mix like a trader joe spice mix and mm -hmm. you can get some of those too if you don't want to just get specific ones and it sort of does some of the mixing of the spices for you but mm -hmm. yeah yeah so my one thing is going to kind of feed into this first uh, i guess question slash discussion point for us and for me, the one thing is just actually considering myself to be an athlete. Um, so I've been very lucky. I've been coaching this training camp for the first or second half of February. It just ended, you know, a week ago. And during the camp, when I first got there, I kind of, you know, I'm a coach there. So I'm kind of in this like coaching position. But I always say my nutrition is always the best at these camps because I realize I need to eat enough on the bike to not bonk. Um, the biggest compliment I got from one of the girls I was riding with was that I never seem cranky or irritable on rides and my mood is always uh, pretty steady. I was like, wow, I'm getting really good at faking it. <laughs> um, but I just kind of made myself actually act like an athlete, you know, going to bed early, doing the foam rolling, eating like an athlete should both on and off the bike. And I think very often we kind of 
get away from this idea of thinking of ourselves as athletes. We think of ourselves as people who have that seven to 10 hours or whatever to train every week. And in maybe that hour, we're an athlete, but then the rest of our lives, we're not. And I think if you can just kind of shift the switch in your brain to being an athlete all the time, it actually really helps with the making your nutrition better, taking better care of your recovery, um, just kind of playing the part, <laughs> fake it till you make it. Yeah. And I think we had the brave athlete people and, and they, one of their questions, which I also then stole for, I always steal questions from around different mm-hmm. people, different intake forms. Um, and they had one about how, you know, how do you see yourself as an athlete or do you see yourself as an athlete? Right. Um, which has a lot wrapped up in it. I, that's why I like those questions. It sort of sparks conversation and sort of you learn about people. Um, but I think that that is the question, right? It, it's not, it, there's a disconnect sometimes between the, the training and then also the effects of off bike, right? And mm-hmm. so much, especially for masters athletes, so much can be had in the sleep, in the, the diet, in the stress reduction, um, without even training, right? We know of several people who barely, I wouldn't even say really train and they're quite capable, like their skills are very good, but generally they're just very fit, but it's not like they have huge training hours or they're sitting indoors on indoor trainers or anything. Or even have like big racing goals. True, yeah. I think that's actually been kind of the more interesting thing, both with this podcast and I think I'll say like my athletic trajectory is this weird realization that I don't necessarily have huge goals as an athlete, but I do want to be except for Leadville, except for Leadville 2021. Um, okay. Until this season, like last year is probably a great example because I was kind of all over the board as far as what I was doing. Um, but I still wanted to be in this consummate athlete shape where I'm still quite athletic and can jump into most sports and be pretty comfortable. Uh, so I don't think you have to have, a racing mindset to consider yourself an athlete no i don't think so i think you can do it a a few different ways for sure like you can have just you're trying to improve yourself right yeah exactly i think we we tend to maybe forget that a little bit as we're kind of in our our little zone of of being competitive athletes um and i mean a lot of the people we work with are racing and stuff but we also you know, kind of every once in a while we get very made aware that a lot of the people listening to this aren't necessarily racers. Um, or if they are, it's it's not the biggest part of their life. It's not why they train. They maybe jump into a race because it's social and it's fun and their friends are doing it, but they're not necessarily training for that race. They're riding bikes or running or, you know, rock climbing or doing whatever just as an enjoyable activity and as one to keep them healthy, not necessarily fast which is totally okay. So one of the the points of discussion we had for today uh, was actually from a listener who doesn't necessarily, I guess, identify as an athlete or doesn't necessarily fit the stereotype of what you think of when you think of an athlete. Um, And, you know, she was just saying it's it's hard when you're in sports, you know, you're in cycling, you're in running, whatever, and you don't necessarily see yourself as one of these competitive athletes. Um, so we kind of wanted to just go back to, I guess, three years ago now when we started this podcast, our idea wasn't necessarily that everyone who listens to this should be able to compete in any sport or like be an amazing road racer or mountain biker or cyclocrosser or 5K or marathoner. Um, it was more 
that you could do whatever you feel like makes you athletic. So that might mean, you know, when you're on the playground with your kids, you can play tag with them and not be sore the next day or lift them up onto the jungle gym and not throw your back out. Um, or if friends want to go bowling, you can handle that. Or hang gliding, uh, maybe, maybe not hang gliding. That seems that seems scary. Um, or, you know, for a bike ride on the weekend, you can do that. Um, you don't necessarily need to be any certain body weight or composition or aerobic capacity to do that stuff. You just need to be reasonably well-rounded as an athlete. Yeah. And I think the question, there wasn't necessarily a question, I guess, I guess it was sort of a request for maybe more varied guests, I guess, if I put it in the most blunt sense, I guess, but the, the person who listens and thank you for listening, it sounds like they're doing great. Like they have a great routine there. I would say a consummate athlete. I know, right? Tons of different exercise or different movements different sports in there for sure definitely biasing it looks like towards more um you know duathlons and sort of endurance sport um yeah i think the only thought we had and i think where with this podcast again that's sort of maybe why we started the intro with a little more extended of what the podcast is is you know i think what we were feeling um, and I know several of my clients and friends we have and stuff as, as you get older and less, you know, you've sort of given up on the tour to France. Um, you know, it, it's sort of looking for those other things, right? So saying, okay, I, you know, I have this goal, Molly's going to do her running race and I have still have my mountain biking, but being okay with, you know, I'm going to go run today, you know, or I'm going to go rock climb today, or I'm going to go to the gym today. Right. And I think the more you explore some of those things, A, I think it feeds back to being a healthier person, which again, as a master's athlete, probably is helpful. Um, you know, injuries are a big part of that. And muscle mass is a big part of aging. Um, movement skill for most people is important, right? And all these sports sort of feed into that. Um, but more so, I think th- what what potential benefit is there is that you might find a community that you really jive with, right? That could be in a, a CrossFit gym. That could be in a rock climbing gym. That could be, you know, a hiking group. It could be any variety of the podcasts we've had, right? Krav Maga it could be, you know, any of these things. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I, I always say cyclocross is maybe my weakest sport as far as results go. I'm probably the strongest in triathlon, if we're being honest, but... I didn't find a community in triathlon. I found one in cyclocross and that's kind of what shifted my whole career and athletic trajectory. Mm. Um, it wasn't necessarily the sport that I excelled at the most. It was the one where I found the best community. So I think that's a, that's a really important part of it for sure. Yeah. Um, on the note of being all around healthy though, um, I'm going to have to link to this as soon as it gets posted, but I interviewed Swain Tuft back in January and for those of you, Canadians probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, if you're not a Canadian, he's one of the oldest uh, pro-continental level bike racers. He's 42. And he's been, knock on wood, relatively injury-free his entire career. And interviewing him was hilarious and amazing because he actually went on, a, I'm going to call it a mini rant about how cyclists are some of the least healthy people in the world. Um, you can be a pro cyclist at the Tour de France level and not be able to walk upstairs carrying a box. <laughs> so, in fact, like, actually, those pro-level racers are kind of the antithesis of the consummate athlete in a lot of ways. 
a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swain Tuff, for the record, gets up at like 6 a.m., runs barefoot on the beach, does yoga on the beach, climbs over some rocks just to get in some weird movements, and then goes for a swim in the Pacific Ocean when he happens to be near it. Uh, so he's a he's a very interesting individual. Um, but I just really liked that he was willing to admit that being focused on that one sport was actually probably one of the least healthy things that he could do. And he says, you know, he he's never been willing to sacrifice his overall health and his overall longevity for the sake of, you know, being maybe a little bit faster. His career could have looked a lot different maybe if he had done that, but he just refuses to give up that overall well-being. Yeah, there's an odd tipping point, I think, there where, you know, you're winning the Tour de France and that's, you know, the pointy end of the stick. But so many of us train like we're, you know, NFL football players and we're, you know, we can damage our body or give up, you know, the things in life, you know, family, work, whatever, for that glory. But, you know, you're not winning the Tour de France and, you know, it's... The NFL thing is a Dan John. Yeah, I sort of went there. But yeah, th- like that would be like his his thing is like you sort of group athletes into these four quadrants and there's one quadrant that everyone wants to be in and it means you're basically an NFL player. And so there's like a specific way you train when you're making that amount of money and also trying to prepare to not get knocked over by large people. Um, but a lot of people think they're in that quadrant, but they're not in that quadrant. And most people end up in like basically armoring themselves for life and trying not to get injured and burning some calories basically right Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the last part of this topic is this idea of like bmi for lack of a better term but like i guess body composition in general Um, if you are currently following along with the athletic bookworms you know we're reading the happy runner for march that's by david roche who was on the podcast just a couple weeks ago and i think we might have touched on it in the episode but only very briefly but His and his wife, who's his fellow coach, uh, their stance on body weight, I really love. And it's pretty much that it doesn't freaking matter. Um, If you're you're running, you're a runner. It doesn't really matter what the scale says. In fact, they highly recommend throwing the scale out. Um, None of their athletes, and I mean, they coach some of that, like some athletes at the highest level of running in the U.S., none of their athletes get on the scale. So I think that's a really probably healthier way to look at sport. I know, especially in cycling, it's so hard to kind of get around the power to weight and people talking about their weight all the time. I know I hear it pretty much constantly, whether it's at a training camp or just hanging out with friends, but it's really the the most unhealthy part of our sport, I would say. Yeah, and I think the the routine, right? Like I I always refer to the Dean Gollage episode we had on where he talks about like he doesn't worry about it. You know, maybe at the Olympic level he worries about it, but it's sort of being an athlete and whatever the thing is you're trying to do, like making progress and that. And that progress might take years, right? Um, It could take 10 years if the goal is a big one, right? David talks about Molly's Leadville. It's a three-year goal, right? Um, So it's sort of embracing that that routine, that journey, if you want. Um, but acting that part, acting the athlete part, um, is a big part of it. And I think, you know, you, you could say, okay, BMI or body weight, like it matters, but you can also have examples where it doesn't. Um, David, I think in the article talks about like a strong man whose BMI is really, really hard. And that, that's fine because you can say, okay, he's a 
strong man, like he's doing his sport and he likes it, right? But it becomes sort of troublesome when you see the, you know, stick thin person, right? And I think that's that's the dilemma that a lot of people see is that they're that's what's in the running magazines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely a tough one to wrap your head around. And I think I think the the tough part, I think where David circles back in the article, if I'm not mistaken, is that everyone deals with that, right? I, I would be lying if I said I don't deal with it, right? Like all the guys are very skinny who mountain bike, right? Mountain biking's a little bit more forgiving than maybe road, but not so much, right? And um, I've always been benefited by the fact that I'm on the lighter side and the smaller side. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll thoroughly admit when I started working with David, one of my like worries that I told him as far as my intake form went was like body composition. And the first thing he said to me was like, you absolutely can't worry about that. Like, right. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. There's, it's tough. There's no answer. But I think maybe the, the thing is that all I can say is that like a lot of people who are, you know, on that side of the other side of the BMI curve, like worry about it as much as the people who are on, you know, the higher BMI. If you're in athletics, you probably have worried about this at some point. So, yeah, I think finding good coach, good community, embracing the routine, you know, healthy habits, that sort of stuff. Like, I think that's ultimately where it is, right? And just being surrounded by people that do that and and are thinking in that way, right? Thinking Mm -hmm. about the goal, the output, the... Yeah. And then before we move on, just one last thing is, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had on a quote unquote real life consummate athlete. So it was just one of our listeners who, you know, jumps into a bunch of sports and tries a bunch of different things and, you know, just average guy. Um, so if you liked that episode, let us know either, you know, hit us up on the contact page, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Um, and we can have more of those kind of yeah. real consummate athletes and we can, you know, mix it up as far as gender sport everything age etc yeah because i think it's good to see you know what's working for more similar others we definitely you know we have a fair bit of pros and olympians and coaches thereof on right yeah absolutely so yeah so we'll link to a bunch of that stuff the dean gollich episode when david was on uh david's article on bmi um I think there's some good stuff there, hopefully. And again, keep listening and keep sending ideas for people or episodes or what have you. Yeah. All right. So our next topic, um, kind of fundamentals of nutrition slash sports nutrition. Um, Because we're heading into the beginning of cycling season specifically or, you know, running seasons coming up, basically we're kind of in that base season for most sports. Um, a lot of people are starting to ask questions about nutrition. Um, Peter's getting probably like five questions a day from different athletes that he works with asking about different parts of nutrition. And, you know, it's always interesting. It's one of those things. I wrote a book, Fuel Your Ride, back in 2015, all about cycling nutrition. And so I'm really used to it and it kind of amazes me now when I go on training camps and stuff and I mention something like, oh, macronutrient ratio. And I realize that a lot of people haven't necessarily had a ton of background on this stuff. And I remember back to when I first got into athletics, I, I didn't know how much protein to have. Now it feels very like kind of routine that I know that number. Uh, let's, let's, you know, be serious. I don't always act on that number, but I know what it is. Um, 
but I realize that there's a lot of both misinformation and just lack of information out there, especially when you're newer to sport. It's an odd topic because everyone eats, right? But yeah. it, but it can become as complicated as you want to make it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people skip over the basics and go straight to the complications. Mm-hmm. Um, it, because I mean, honestly, like Women's Health magazine or Men's Health can't sell copies where like the the tagline on the cover is just like simple basic guide to nutrition. Like that's that's not sexy. So most people getting into this stuff are reading, you know the new keto raw vegan paleo something um (laughs) rules and it's very confusing when that's the first thing you're confronted with versus what should be on a normal balanced plate for a meal yeah and i don't know like it's it's all sort of nebulous right and it's all so individual but i think most people if you step back like again we're not the nfl players we're not the tour de france you know, no one's paying us the big bucks. So No, but if they want to, please get in touch on our contact page. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll go to the Tour de France <laughs> for sure. Um, so what you're looking for then is, okay, what is good nutrition? And then, you know, you're going to have a lot of disagreements and personal preference and personal needs and variation for genetics. But if we step back, there's probably a plate that we can generally agree on that's going to have a bunch of vegetables on it. And from what I've seen, I work with a fair number of people, both coaching and training plans and phone consults and one-on-one consults. So I've seen a fair bit of what people do, and this is mostly busy masters. Most people would do really well just to have more meals in their day that have vegetables in them, right? Absolutely. And some sort of framework. And I really like precision nutrition. You can Google this. They have really great infographics, really simplified things. Um they sort of have this plate idea where you have every meal, they call it the five habits. So every meal has vegetables and this is like not necessarily potatoes, but something like your green leafy vegetables, right? So you should have that. You should have a protein of some type. So this could be a vegetarian protein or it could be meat. Uh, it could be eggs. Um, so maybe you have like eggs in the morning, maybe you have like a bunch of lentils and whatever beans and stuff in a, in a maybe tuna or whatever in a salad at lunch. And then at dinner you have like a steak or whatever, or again, name your vegetarian protein. Um, back to the plate. So you have again, vegetables, protein, a carbohydrate source, which in the last two years and probably the next two years, everyone's going to gasp that you say carbohydrate, but that's going to be your potatoes, your sweet potatoes, your breads, grains, so on. Um, so a, a, a serving of that, you know, maybe a cupped handful. They do provide some serving, easy serving size and stuff, but let's keep this easy. Um, and what am I missing? Fat. Thank you. Yeah. So like a thumb of fat. So you're going to have like maybe some avocado, maybe some olive oil on your salad, uh, maybe a pat of butter on your salmon with dinner. Um, and then the fifth habit is eating slowly. And again, not necessarily nutrition, but in this day and age, we're all looking at our phones, you know, maybe not even eating at a table, talking to people. So again, a lot of people, if they just slowed down, had a conversation, leave the Twitter news, fake news alone for a little bit, a lot of this stuff gets easier because you're slowing down, portion sizes are controlled, you're enjoying the food. Um, and so the more often you can sort of just keep it simple like that, does this meal have one, two, three, four, plus am I eating slowly? A lot of people roll really well 
the second that starts happening. You pull back from keto or whatever the thing is, and you just operate from that. And the nice thing about that system is I like sweet potatoes. Molly likes white potatoes. We have similar breakfast, but she has white potatoes, and I have sweet potatoes often with her breakfast. And then we have a ton of spinach, eggs, and then either we have like avocado or we cook it in some oil of some type or what else do we put on there? I guess the eggs too, sort of. But um, So anyhow, I don't know if that's helpful or not. That's sort of like your basis. And then do we want to take like once you start training on top of that? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the big thing here is not jumping into any other kind of diet until you sort of have this nailed. Um, it's really tempting to kind of immediately jump to something that, yeah, something that has a lot of rules right and yeah. that's how you end up kind of <laughs> sick training at a very low level etc um but if you can start like this then you know okay yeah maybe in several months we can talk keto or paleo or any one of those well, or specific it, diets right? yeah, yeah exactly but you're still tweaking this basic thing um, i think most people even just adding a serving of vegetables to each meal would make a massive difference. Yeah. And I mean, you're seeing, I mean, for the, the people who are, you know, very cycling oriented, there's, you've seen a lot of like Frank Overton has put a big push on. So sweet spot, Frank, what do I call him? Mr. Sweet, Mr. Sweet spot. He's put a huge push on this year on his winning in the kitchen stuff. So it's essentially just adding two vegetables, um, to every meal. And I think it's still this huge con like idea as cyclists or athletes. I mean, I can say this because I was at this training camp where the younger athletes were cooking every meal. After the first couple of meals, we had to yell at them to add more veggies mm. um, because they're still operating under this very, very old school idea that, you know, if you have a big ride the next day, your dinner should be like a white pasta with, you know, maybe a little bit of red sauce and a little bit of meat and call it good. Um, so we were trying to explain that, like, no, man, like training camp, you still got to eat your vegetables. Like they still matter. Well, and that's, you know, again, it's it's that simplistic look at it's just calories in, calories out. But at some point there's and there's actually some cool research coming out right now that like if you don't have I think it's just based on protein. If you don't have protein, like your body's just always hungry. Um, so that there's potential that that's, again, they're looking at this as maybe the source of like obesity epidemic and stuff is that everyone's just like ravenous because the food quality is dropping. And I think if I remember right, I, I'm going to have to find the studies. I'm not doing this justice, but low nutrient density. So there's not a lot of vitamins and minerals and fiber and protein. Um, so then the body's just ravenous trying to find nutrition. Basically, I think that makes sense, right? It's high calorie, low nutrient density. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I mean, that's most of the standard American diet, even even for like the quote unquote healthy people, right? How many, uh, you know, I can't see hands, obviously. Um, show of hands, who eats oatmeal for breakfast, right? Like that's mm. a cyclist staple. Um, but unless you're making sure there's protein in it by way of, you know, peanut butter and possibly a collagen powder or, you know, any number yeah, and of so protein that's... things you're not getting protein in so your I'll breakfast. So I'll put the link to the couple precision nutrition uh, resources that I think really help simplify this, the portion sizing, the uh, five habits, and then they have a superfoods list, which is actually just like normal foods you should be eating. Um, and then a client actually sent a similar, uh, it's called like the, not the dirty dozen, but some sort of dozen, the dozen you need to have. Um, and I really liked it actually too. It sort of, one of them was exercise, one of them was water, but then it sort of had like, vegetables fruits and these things and the, the idea was that you're just checking these dozen things 
Um, but I really liked it because it was similar in that it was like, okay, you like oatmeal, but where are the vegetables and the protein? So you need to figure out a way to have eggs on the side with some spinach in them or, you know, maybe and or you add some blueberries and some, you know, some, what was it? It was flax seeds that this program was really into. So we're going to add some flax to our oatmeal. That's our fat source. Right. And, and then now we have a more nutrient dense oatmeal. You're still getting your oatmeal. No one said you couldn't have the oatmeal. Right. But his thing was like the pasta maybe becomes more veggies with pasta versus pasta with veggies. Plate of pasta, right? <laughs> um, and I, I think there is, again, room for the athlete or yourself or whoever's, you know, everyone's going away on their spring training vacation and, and stuff like that. So if you do train more, then you need to fuel that a bit. And that's where in this system, either system, you know, you just eat a bit more and that could be carbohydrates in this case and you fuel during the ride. Exactly. Yeah. Eat, eat more carbohydrates, but don't skimp on the protein to favor the carbs. Well, and I think, again, that's where it gets complicated. And I think most people could probably just eat a bit more. Right. Yeah. So they're going to eat on the bike, which is going to take care of a lot. They're going to have maybe a bit bigger breakfast in anticipation. They're going to get home, have a meal after. And then maybe, you know, the dinner might even be a bit bigger, too. Right. But I think if you eat slowly, then it takes care of a lot of that. And then if you just, again, eat while you're riding, especially during these training camp weeks. Right. Because normal life. You should be OK. Like a lot of us don't need to do anything crazy. There's been some more great research recently just sort of looking at for the normal people for normal people like you or i um the the, like window of like you need to like crush food immediately right like it's it is there but within 24 hours you'd be there anyhow yeah i mean what i always say when i do the nutrition talks is if you finish a ride or you finish your workout and you're aiming for the fridge before you're willing Mm. to like take off your chamois or run if you can't possibly run through the shower before you eat a meal you didn't eat enough on your ride or run or whatever the workout was sure and i think again it's it gets nebulous and i think we're even maybe complicating but i, I hopefully not hopefully we're and we'll provide some resources the sports nutrition motto is hashtag it depends right and i think again if you if you back up and don't make don't throw everything out right like you've already taken an attempt at this whatever you do and you've been doing probably for a number of years you've existed this far so you know something you're at like 50 percent. maybe you're at 90 percent good so don't just throw out everything you do and stop eating everything like maybe you do need to stop eating something for a bit give it a break but don't throw out everything right like keep your routine and again just some spices and you know, a little bit of some eggs on the side and just see how that goes for, you know, don't change everything. Just change breakfast is sometimes a good solution. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are, what are some of the, I'm, I'm hesitant to use the phrase mistakes, but what are some of the problem areas you're seeing with some athletes? So not eating during challenging rides. Um, so if it's under an hour, you're generally pretty good as the rule of thumb. Again, if, if I'm going to go and like really crush an hour, I would probably fuel a bit. Um, Beforehand or during? Uh, I would definitely have breakfast or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, you can get into it, what if it's in the morning and stuff like that. If it was in the morning, I would probably have like a banana or something as I was warming up just to put a little bit of sugar there. But if it wasn't that hard of a session, then I wouldn't worry about it. 
Um, I always sort of say like, if you're really concerned about how you're going to do on this ride or how you're going to recover before the next one, it probably means you need to fuel. But if it's not so hard that you'll be recovered before the next one, then it's probably okay. Or if it's like your normal, but mm-hmm. again, if it's like the weekend long ride, the weekend smash fest, you know, you're doing the Zwift race. Like I would probably fuel for those things. Um, so I think that's one big one. And then I've seen like a lot of times, like maybe just too much on the, <clears throat> like just having whey protein is one that people do after endurance exercise. So like for strength training, that may be okay, but I would probably just have a meal personally, but you could certainly use that, but put it in like a smoothie or something. Yeah. But by smoothie, you don't necessarily mean add a ton of crap. Well, certainly the the liquid food, the like more processed food can get easier to overconsume. So you have to sort of look at your situation, right? Like, I guess, yeah, I mean, I most people, again, could just go back to those that the five habits and just have a normal meal and probably more enjoyable, right? But then some of us are running at the door or something. And that's, that's fine, too. So yeah, a smoothie could just mean like berries, you know, berries, maybe some greens in there to get your serving of greens and then some whey protein, um, flax seeds, because those apparently are the key thing. Yeah. It just doesn't have to be a billion things in the smoothie. No, I think again, it can get like, you can really pack a smoothie, which some people may have to do again. That might be a good solution if like you're really deep on calories and you're trying to do it. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's things like drinking calories can sometimes be i feel like that's matt fitzgerald's like number one like he like, doesn't he says it's not good yeah okay good then if so if matt fitzgerald says it i'll say it so if i was trying to lose weight i would not drink any calories many calories yeah. like i would pick again i might use like a, a sugar powder if i was racing um but i would be just i wouldn't be having my glass of milk with with dinner or orange juice with breakfast or a smoothie likely. Okay. I'd like to hear from you guys on Twitter who actually has the glass of milk. I think that's, I don't know if that's a Canadian like farm thing, but like I was raised on a glass of milk with like every meal. I mean, when I was a child, yes, it was choco milk at dinner and it was amazing. I can't comment on your country, but that's a New Jersey thing. Okay. (laughs) There you go. You made it a state thing. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think, to each their own. And I think you could probably, you can certainly lose weight without that, but it's just very easy to have a lot. And again, when you're thinking about eating slowly, drinking is a very quick way to consume things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's, and again, you, it's harder to get more nutrients, right? So again, could you go a slightly better version of a glass of milk? You could probably get like an organic, like fuller fat milk. So now we're getting a bit of fat and a bit more nutrients. Maybe you could also probably go to some sort of like nice, you know, organic local farm yogurt cream whatever dairy products cheese or something right and you could still i'm not saying never eat dairy i'm not saying never have milk i love choco milk um i'm just saying again you if if weight loss is the priority or maintenance for a lot of us um you might just want to be careful with that and again that's where we go back to eating meals right complete meals Mm mm-hmm yeah, and, and Matt Fitzgerald said this first, so it's not... He did, yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, a couple of great books. So we'll link to his books. Yeah. yeah, The Endurance Diet by Matt Fitzgerald is one of my absolute favorites. Um, obviously, I have Fuel Your Ride. Um, and then, again, there's that 
um, run fast, cook fast, eat slow cookbook. That's just absolutely super fantastic. good. Yeah. If you're again, not super into cooking or trying to cook more, um, we, we talked about couples balancing both training. So I'll put it out to the men there as a challenge to go out and buy this book and then prepare some meals. Ooh, nice one. Uh, last point on the protein powder, I believe, and I actually saw this at camp a couple times. There's this kind of odd misinformation where people are putting protein powder in their bottles for training. Now, yeah, usually use carbohydrate during the ride if yeah. you're going to replace food. I mean, you could also use whole food. So I think that's definitely I, I try and try and push people more and more towards that for endurance riding. Right? It's just more enjoyable. Protein powder just isn't really going to do anything for no, you be really, in the ride. Really odd. You'd probably like honestly, whey protein. I think would not improve performance. It would decrease it. I think there's something with ammonia. Also, it would just taste gross. Yeah, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure there's something with the digestion of whey that during exercise would not be good. I mean, I, I kind of equate that to drinking milk out of my, my water yeah, bottle. There, now, <laughs> yeah, like a full, like if you, like 30 grand, just A, you're not getting carbohydrate and then B, it would, yeah, I just don't know. There's not, it, but it definitely happens, right? Because it's like a sports nutrition thing and then you know, maybe mom and dad have got it or, or it's in the house or whatever. But yeah, it's generally like get a banana, get a sandwich, like our friend Evan Guthrie, he'll have like pizza or like he'll make a big banana loaf. Um, the feed zone cookbook we've mentioned a few times and both all these other books we've mentioned have awesome in ride in workout snacks, uh, as well. So it's another spot. You can definitely enjoy that a bit more, but definitely you want to consume something. Yeah. And usually the faster you go, the harder you go, the more processed it's going to be. So again, in mountain biking, it's like a 90 minute race type thing. It's going to be sugar powder or gels usually. Yeah. I have to say as far as for me racing, like I've been loving tailwind as far as hydration goes. It's a a pretty calorie dense one, but it's a really light taste. And it's a good one too. You see a lot of people, it seems like more people and not that it wouldn't work fine, honestly, for mountain biking or or, sorry, a shorter duration event. But it seems like a lot of people use tailwind for the the longer the like three hour plus event. So if you've been looking for something, yeah, we don't have anything to do with tailwind. No. Not sponsored. I wish I wish we had some. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsor us. Although we have too much of that stuff right now. No, I finished it. No, I just mean of like sugar powders. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I'll also, I, I will shout out Noon for, because it doesn't have any sugar and it, it's just electrolyte tabs. I actually really like that for in my bottles on a more normal ride where I can eat actual foods um, or even like gels and bars and stuff. Because uh, I'd rather do that than drink my calories in you know, a riding situation, but for well, me. and I think the big thing with that too, is that it, it's odd, right? Cause you could argue that both ways, I guess. And it gets complicated with the zero calorie sweetener and stuff. It but, doesn't have, but I think more so for someone like you, you like, you will just not drink unless it basically tastes like juice. Pretty much. So you're sort of in a tricky spot. So I definitely find that when I, if I use that uh, or something similar, I'll drink more, which may be good depending on who you are and, like if it's super hot out and you're just not a drinker, it might be good, right? And shout out to my dad who just does like lime and salt in his water bottles because when he can't have a margarita, he might as well have well, almost and, a and margarita. There's, there's, like, there's like an old school wisdom to that, right? Like we used to just do stuff like that. So, I mean, I think definitely I, I had a client the other day. I was saying like you can 
all the like the old Joe Frill training Bible. Um, I'm trying to think where else. Maybe Roar has it, or no, your book has it. Um, maybe it's a Stacy Sims quote, though. Maybe no, it's Nancy Guest. It's Nancy fruit says it. juice with water, but with it's a pinch three, of salt. three to one, three to one. And that yeah. w- I didn't realize it was so diluted. So it's like if you mix the juice, it would be mix the juice and then three times the amount of water on top of that to the juice. Or if it's like your your normal orange juice in the morning, you water it down three times so one cup orange juice three times and then a pinch of salt or something maybe to help um so that's like your affordable like maybe a little bit more whole foods or if you want i guess it's juice but yeah the orange juice is kind of a little gross to me but i don't cranberry juice i'm into but i do think like the lemon lime just to like flavor it a bit is really really nice some people really like that with a little pinch of salt herefords don't like water as a rule so we've had to figure out how to get around this yeah yeah so Hopefully there's something there. I think beyond that, I think if we're going to just tail off this, so we've talked about in your day, not big changes, keep it reasonable for most meals, you know, don't overthink it. Have a, <laughs> I think have a framework. I guess the only thing we haven't talked about is like, just cause like one day you go out for Thai food and like there isn't a vegetable in the Thai food, technically it's fine. Like just get back on the, in the framework. Right. And so if you have that framework, that's where you live like most of the time. And then you can sort of like for the situation, right? Like the worth it meal at Thai or, you know, that big endurance workout probably doesn't have vegetables, shouldn't have vegetables during it. And that's fine. Right. And, and then you come back to the framework. Yeah, I think that's good. Right. If anyone has any specific nutrition questions, definitely hit us up. Um, we have nutritionists on tap that love talking about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, obviously we have a fair amount of experience and, you know, we love chatting about this kind of stuff. So if you have more specific questions, you can find us over on our contact page at consummateathlete.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford and at Molly J. Herford. Uh, and yeah, we'd really love to hear from you. The questions we've gotten have been awesome. It's always super fun doing these episodes. Um, so yeah, we will leave it there and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, You can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week... Uh, Do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. Takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.